0: a shell and we are joined also by jake mcgee uh, you two are leading leading can i say leading gravel camp for gravel worlds this april and i'm stoked to talk about that thanks for coming on bike talk with dave you guys
1: thanks for having us pleasure. thank you
0: oh yeah my pleasure i'm stoked you got you guys seem to have a really good relationship with the gravel worlds gang and it was fun to see that you guys are leading the camp can I say leading is that fair
1: I would say that we are co-leading it along with Jason Corey and Frank Pike from Beyond Category Coaching is um, he'll be kind of a co-leader as well so it's you know the camp is aimed at cyclists that are completely new to both cycling and to gravel riding so we want to really have a lot of people there to be hands-on and provide support
0: Ah, that's very cool uh, How did you develop uh, such a good relationship with the Gravel Worlds gang?
2: Uh, it started with the race, and we just met them there, and they're all really fun people to hang out with and uh, mingle with after the race. They run a great event, um, but they also like cater to everybody. Um, they're very, very welcoming, and yeah, just kind of like uh, just kind of grew from there and. We spitballed around some ideas and then it was like, okay, now we're doing this.
1: Yeah, I think that Jason and I had connected at Big Sugar about our just similar views on gravel and that, you know, it is progressing into a professional level sport. At the same time, the heart of gravel does not lie with the professionals. And so it's really important that for those of us like... Jake and I that are more on the competitive side and racing, you know, in the pro corrals, we also need to advocate for the racers or even people that don't feel like they're racing. You know, anyone that's just signing up, going to an event, mainly aiming to have fun. You know, those are the people that are the true heart of gravel. And um, without them, you know, we wouldn't have the opportunity to be competing professionally. So I think that was... Having that similar view kind of connected
0: us to Jason. That's very cool. Um, it's fun you say that like that. You and I had a great conversation. I want to say episode 41 on Bike Talk with Dave. And then I also want to encourage people, you had a great conversation with Jason while you were at Big Sugar, and it must have, uh, it must have dropped uh, November, December, maybe, on the Gravel Family podcast. Uh, So I would encourage people to check that out. But you and I talked a lot about the heart of gravel, and uh, I think you even used the word pro corral a bit hesitantly when we last talked. But it is a reality. And the other reality is that the 1,500 or 3,000 people that line up in the street behind you pay for the event to happen. So uh, you're right that the heart of the gravel is not the 30 people in the pro corral it's the 3000 people behind you and um it's kind of cool you're putting on a camp to introduce people to that uh that world so
2: Thanks, Dave. I appreciate
0: it. you know speaking of that Jake we don't have any idea who the heck you are and um Hannah we talked about your story but Jake you've got some uh some Palmares.
2: i just bring the good looks into the relationship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> Hannah you said that. Uh, but Jake, you've got some, uh, some Palmares, um, and I don't want to go into it because we're going to do your own episode to get to know you better, but uh, you've got some a little bit of experience on the bike. In fact, I think I saw you own the Gravel World's 75-mile race course record. Is that correct?
2: i do yeah don't know how long that will hold up
0: did you do that on a motorcycle (laughs) did you no did you did you combine your two sports to to get that record
2: well although i've done a couple of races that last year with um people on e-bikes um no it was not on a motorcycle it was by my own power and i was pleasantly surprised when uh, jason and the crew told me that but yeah it's fun to have that um It's only the 75-mile course, but, but, you know, I encourage other people to enter it and try to break it.
0: It's kind of funny to say only the 75-mile course, isn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. For me, a 75-mile-ish race, I I think that's a great distance.
0: So let's talk about gravel camp. First of all, uh, when is it?
1: It's April 27th through the 30th.
0: And it's in Lincoln. That's right. What like what do you guys plan to cover? What's your hope? And uh, and I saw I looked over the itinerary. It looks like there's both beginner and intermediate kind of rides scheduled. Is it really geared for both intermediates and beginners? The whole gamut.
2: I would say it's uh, leaning towards the more beginner side, um, just to cover those <clears throat> really basic things about gravel riding and like the preparation side of your equipment and yourself and you know fueling and nutrition and Frank's going to cover the coaching aspect of it um so yeah we're going to cover like a lot of things um but you know it's it's very much geared towards the beginner aspect um it's very affordable um for a reason we wanted to encourage as many people as possible to um, join the camp if they can, and um, and really get their bang for their buck um, over the three days of like uh, of riding and you know clinics and just kind of covering mechanical stuff. Um, yeah, like I said, nutrition, everything. So you can expect a pretty broad um, range of information.
0: Do you cover the difference between? like once you ride your bike off of pavement and get onto gravel, will you guys go over like how to handle gravel, how to handle the uphills on loose gravel, how to handle the downhills, how to handle corners? Absolutely, yeah.
1: That's one of the things that, and I think part of the reason why we have more, like we do have two groups of riders. We have kind of beginner and we have intermediate. And I would say that Jason, as he gets um, registrants to the camp, is asking them, you know, what's your experience level? And he's learning that a lot of them are really new to this, which is great, that, you know, that's exactly what we want. And so we're definitely going to gear it more towards, you know, these are the basics that you need to know to get to the start line and finish the race safely and have a fun time. And so we're planning on, you know, we're doing three, wait, yeah, we're doing three rides. (laughs) I to check myself on that one, and um, those will be on gravel in in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the gravel there is, you know, it is challenging in that the hills can be steep and there's a lot of loose sections, and and you know there is a lot of 90 degree turns on that course, so we definitely want to focus on getting to spots that would present maybe a challenge, um, you know, talking about how you would want to set up a line through the corner, what you want to be thinking about while you're cornering, how your body position should be. And yeah, absolutely. On, on both uphills and downhills, um, we want to make sure that everyone feels comfort, confident and comfortable when they um, line up for gravel rolls.
0: Dig it. And do you picture most people doing the 75 miler or diving in for the full 150?
2: That, that's... Hard to answer. Um, I bet there will be people that, from the camp, do probably all of the events that Gravel Worlds offer. I'm sure that we'll have somebody that will want to do the 350. Oh, wow. Or the 300, is it? Like, there's always one, right? Yeah,
0: yep, yep, you're right. Well, hopefully, and I'm even thinking the 150, Hopefully, hopefully they come in. This is the end of April, so we've got May, June, July... And then a little bit of August, so three, three and a half months until Gravel Worlds. Hopefully they come into camp with the, a few miles in their legs.
2: We hope yeah. so. Yeah, I think it's more going to not, lean, Not so much like, it's not going to be like a hammer fest, smash fest of like hard rides for three days. It's going to be very much like educational riding on and off the bike so that you like anybody can just train hard for three days you don't have to go to a camp to do that but to go to a camp and have it beneficial you have to have education whilst riding and and like try to increase your depth and knowledge about you know handling and all of the above so that's what we're aiming to do we're not just going to smash everyone and be like hey thanks for an awesome camp like hope you guys are really tired
0: yeah no (laughs) i i totally get that but if they're gearing up for 150 yeah. or 300 miles, like it's going to be more than three months of of just building up the miles in your legs, but to uh, to get there, totally.
1: I was just going to say we're lucky to have Frank there with his expertise and coaching, so that he can answer some of those questions. Um, if someone hasn't been riding and wants to do the 150 mile race, kind of what they need to be prepared to do over the next three months.
0: I dig it and and kind of build that plan of. Of uh, adding adding mileage adding hours on a on a weekly basis to get there uh, so let's talk about some of the skills you guys will go over I read that you'll be talking about things like tire changing and other mechanicals I want to ask you guys a bit about that but also drafting and bike handling definitely riding in a, a small group of you know ten or Even 20 is different than 1,500. Let's start with mechanical stuff. Tire changing, like, that's so diverse. Like, some people have tubes, some people have uh, sealant and be going tubeless. Uh, How do you guys cover tire changing for that diverse group?
1: So I think that, um, first of all, we're partnering with Broken Spoke Bike Shop in Lincoln. And they will have... um, We're actually doing our kind of meet and greet at their bike shop, and then they will have um, some of their staff helping with some of those questions, so anything that gets beyond Jake and I's expertise, but I think that our first, you know, the first kind of part of that education is what is tubeless and what's a tube? Just helping everyone understand the two different types of setups, and that you know, hands down, Jake and I would recommend running tubeless if you can um, with gravel races. That is just your best bet at not having to stop to fix a flat. If someone is running tubes, you know, then we'll talk about what kind of, depending on what kind of rims you have, how wide you would want your tires to be, what kind of tubes you want, how many spares you should bring. Um, but I think that ultimately we'll we'll be covering for from our perspective we would cover how to fix a flat on both setups um and you know even with a tubeless setup you might have a sidewall cut that isn't there's nothing you can do to fix it and so you have to put a tube in so it does kind of overlap a little bit um but yeah i mean it's it is a good question and you know there's so many approaches now to how to fix a flat on a tubeless tire so we'll go over plugs, darts, the things that we've had success with and options that are out there. Our primary goal is to make sure that if someone has a mechanical on course, they have the equipment and the knowledge they would need to hopefully address it and get to the finish line.
0: What are some of the other mechanical issues that you might see out on a course like gravel world?
2: I mean, there's everything and anything. You can broken wheels, Like, if someone's had a big crash, you can snap your handlebar, break your derailleur off, broken seats. Like, it's honestly endless. Um, Obviously, you can't carry everything to fix every scenario, but, like, you know, I know people that are racing at the front of these races that carry a spare derailleur hanger. Oh, wow. They're not super heavy, but if you have a spare one, it will enable you to either get to the finish or remain in the race. A chain tool, you know, a chain breaker, um, is is also like another thing that can really make a difference if uh, you get to the finish or you don't.
1: Part of what we want to cover is, you know, what's a fixable mechanical? Right. Like a dropped chain or, you know, if your derailleur is no longer shifting and you're now on a single speed, um you know what are mechanicals that you can ride to the finish as opposed to if you have a crack in a carbon frame and it's probably not safe for you to ride anymore so that's another you know point of distinction we want to make sure that we're clear about in not encouraging people to get in over their heads and fix things that they might not be experienced in like safety is definitely a big priority
0: Uh, that's great that's perfect Um, and well-defined things that you can get home with uh, broken spoke chain making your derailleur into a single speed or whatever to get you home versus like yeah call the call the uh broom wagon and throw your bike on the broom wagon and call it a day <laughs> like that's a that's a kind of a skill and a for a beginner like you may not make the right choice oh yeah all right let 's go into kind of a group aspect, riding alone on a gravel road's very different than riding in a, a big group what what kind of things will you guys go over about um to handle gravel in a big group
2: number one thing is for me and from my perspective is the safety of the group and how you ride within that group so like teaching i don't want to say etiquette because that's that's kind of like from a road background but like yeah there is etiquette you know um and being predictable riding in a safe manner like keeping right especially you know in a group like stay two by two at most like three abreast or more is never acceptable under any circumstances like even in the races uh, they're still open roads like there can be farm machinery and trucks and cars and anything coming the other way. So, um, trying to be predictable for yourself and for the group, um, simple signals, like pointing out massive rocks or holes or water ruts, um, you know, like right turn, left turn, just, just all the basic stuff so that for another rider in the group, your maneuver isn't unexpected, you know, like, Hey, we're stopping. Or like there's a stop sign like we're stopping here etc like there's so many things that will be covered in a brief like 30 second sentence that's just like you know on all of the rides this weekend and and we encourage during racing any event uh any gravel event if you come to a stop sign like stop especially these gravel roads will cross like a busy highway and you you just have no reason to change it, you know, so, yeah, really basic stuff like that, Dave, um, this isn't, like, reinvent, we're not reinventing the wheel here, we're not, like, covering anything that hasn't been covered before by any other camp, or podcast, or book, but it's educating people that may not be aware of small things, like, we all started somewhere in cycling on the road, or gravel, or mountain, and there was somebody within that small group of people that we rode with that helped educate us to learn, you know,
0: the ropes. Yep, so you guys are essentially mentoring some of the new kids joining the gravel fray, right? Joining the gravel family, I should say, in the world words of uh, gravel world. Yeah. Um. Uh, what about, I, I want to talk a little bit about... Um, uh, nutrition, and I also want to hit on a bit of navigation, and then how you guys handle like race day, race weekend prep. So let's start with um, let's start with nutrition first. Like, where do you guys go with nutrition? What's your kind of philosophy on all that?
1: So we're gonna start again, really basic. Um, there's sport food and there's real food. And sport food is going to be your bars, your chews, your gels, and drink mixes that may or may not have carbs and electrolytes. There's kind of all combinations out there now. And in terms of real food, you know, some people like to make rice cakes. Some people like to make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, bananas. Um, There's a lot of options out there, and we want to focus on educating about what the different options are everyone needs to figure out what works for them so the general goal is 60 to 90 grams of carbs per hour and that doesn't change that much when we're talking about you know 75 miles to 300 miles um maybe if you're doing 300 miles you want more like 120 grams of carbs an hour but in in general you need to be able to take in a lot of carbs And we want everyone to understand what the options are and start experimenting now so that they can figure out what doesn't upset their stomach, what works for them in terms of being able to eat while they're moving. You know, a lot of um, the more pro end of the race, they're leaning towards gels just from an ease of consumption standpoint um, or towards like high carb drink mixes. For some people, that sounds absolutely terrible over a you know twelve hour race. So you might want to consider um, some other options there too. And uh, we're hoping that by focusing on maybe the properties of what makes good fuel, like high in carbs, easy to digest, low in fiber, you know, from there, I've seen people get really creative with it. Like one of my friends is is eating mashed potatoes during races now. So it really is. <laughs> Ooh. You know, she actually says it's great. <laughs> she loves it. So um you know, there's a lot of options.
0: There are there are a lot of options. I remember, actually, you know who this was, and Jake, you may know him, uh, Paul Martin. Oh, Paul Martin. Wasn't he a Texas Roadhouse dude? No, doesn't ring a bell. Anyway, I remember riding with Paul Martin and. He always ate uh, uh, Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie, and we're <clears> like, why do you have that? Like, why that? And He's like, because I love it, and I know I'll eat it because I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, that it kind of makes sense. Everybody has their own thing, and uh, if he needs to look forward to his snack 30 miles into an 80-mile race or whatever, then... Whatever, whatever works. Um, and uh, and it is like great advice to start practicing now for the August race because everybody's taste, everybody's stomach is a little different, and reacts a little different. So great, uh, great advice. And you guys, uh, sponsored by the feed, aren't you? That's Correct. right. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about how that works.
1: Our sponsorship it's... or the feed?
0: The feed. I don't know, they may give you a hundred thousand dollars a year, I don't know, but uh I'm curious how the, the system of the feed yeah. works.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, if if uh if Matt's listening we we get a hundred thousand a year. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a it's such a fun partnership that we have with the feed and the beauty of it is you are not tied to any one nutrition brand. So you literally get to pick exactly what you like from their range of uh, sports nutrition, which is everything. Like, you name it, they have it. And it shows up at your door two or three days later. And so you just pick what you like, what works for you, what tastes best, you know, what nutritionally your body reacts best to, and you run with that. And sometimes we switch it up, a little bit like month-to-month month, or we kind of get in a rut on something we like and you know it's, it's really fun and you have such flexibility in your nutrition on and off the bike. Um, but they also have like you know uh, recovery tools and all kinds of like uh, technology if you will for athletes. Not only cyclists, like runners, triathletes, yeah, it's it's so cool what they're doing, and um, we love the partnership. It's yeah, it's a great time with them.
0: If somebody were to dive into a relationship with the feed, is it like a subscription, or can you just buy one off?
2: You can do both. Um, typically, what you find is <clears throat> people will do one-off orders a few times and figure out what they like. And then you can um, sign up to a subscription and uh, select the products that you would like to be delivered each month. And that happens automatically. So you don't have to think wow. about it. It just shows up and you're like, oh yeah, here's my restock and of, tr- of my nutrition for the month. And away you go. So it just kind of takes out that um, extra step of training and riding and racing. It's really like simplifies things a lot.
0: Yeah, that's actually great advice right now. As you're looking at an August gravel world, people can spend the summer experimenting, try a different, different uh, combination every weekend on their long ride, if if you will, and then figure out what uh, what would work for their uh, their long voyage. That's what it's called, the long voyage, the 300 miler.
2: That's
0: it. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about navigation. I'm awesome with maps. I can study a map and then pretty much ride the route. I may have to study it a fair bit, but um, it all clicks in my head. And not everyone is like that. How do you guys? How do you guys handle navigation? And how do you like? What's your plan on on teaching it?
1: Wow. How- Dave, you and I are the opposite people. We are absolute opposites. Um, I can study a course and know the course. And like I did at VWR Arizona, I can miss a turn and not even realize that I did. Um, so navigation super important. And uh, for those that are like me, I need a map in front of me and it needs to show me, you know, you have five miles until you're making a right turn. So my Garmin is obviously my go-to device. Um, I have pretty much every route that I ride, not only for racing, but for training on my Garmin. Cause I will miss turns to get to my own house. Um, but that's, so we want to cover, you know, if you have a cycling computer, how do you get the race route onto your cycling computer? That's, you know, that does require a little bit of technical knowledge. It
0: actually does. I and then I had to Google that myself last night. I'm um, getting ready for that rattlesnake gravel grind and uh, downloaded the map because I don't know the area at all. And I thought ah, it'll be good to have a backup in case my memory doesn't serve. But I had to Google how to do it. So that's great that you're going to cover that. I love that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then we also want to talk about if you don't have a cycling computer, what options are available to you? Um, So, you know, we would definitely recommend that you do get one because that's the most reliable uh, method of navigating. But you can use some different mounts to attach your smartphone to your handlebars. Um, And then there are apps you can use to navigate from there. So I know that I've had friends that get into gravel and figuring that out is such a barrier to entry you know, if you don't have the course on you. Correct. Some courses are really well marked, but when you're riding 100 miles and it's hot and you're tired and you're, you know, me, you're going to miss the <laughs> arrow regardless.
2: The, so, the first year I, or the other year I did I'm down 200, <laughs> I, I can't remember, I think it was 2021, <clears throat> I didn't upload the course to my uh, head unit. And so... I just always made sure I was with a group and I was either like slow down and wait for the group behind or somebody with the route or bridge to the next group. <laughs> it, it was not a good race plan. So yeah, navigation has.
0: Is- I've definitely used that strategy myself. So navigation and then uh, I also want to oh talk gosh. about you One of the things you're going to cover during the camp is race day prep, and I would say race weekend prep. Um, Talk me through a race weekend and how somebody who's never done a big race like Gravel Worlds or maybe has never raced at all, like how do they get uh, to and then beyond the starting line?
2: I mean, man, this, this one's going to be like starting from square one, so like... Assuming all your accommodation is dialed, you know where the start line is, you know your start time, <clears throat> then it becomes a process of like you have your race day nutrition covered. Um that side of thing, the the route is uploaded, all of that. So then you move into like your equipment. So you know, you might have a friend that has this really fancy spare set of gravel race wheels. It's like, oh, borrow these for the race, you'll be so much faster, like, that's not a thing, like, have your equipment dialed, and you use that, because using a different set of wheels opens up a whole different can of worms, so, um, yeah, really basic stuff like that, uh, when to eat during the race, like, set alerts when you go on your gum, um, just really keeping it basic and simple so it's easy to follow. Um, like, do you have a plan of what to do after the race, you know, like in terms of like food and just just really simple stuff. Like, like I said, nothing is groundbreaking and new to anybody, but just mapping it out so you know what to expect. Um, and having a plan also gives you a lot more confidence in you know, the
0: day ahead. Yeah, no doubt. Making a plan definitely helps. Even how many times have I laid my kit out and got my number pinned on the night before and gotten my camelback filled if I'm using a camelback? And it just makes race morning so much easier when everything's all taken care of the night before, for sure.
2: Yeah, totally. Just like eliminating variables, I would say, is probably like the title for that um that like uh talk of of the camp will be just as little variables as possible like gravel racing is all about like overcoming the unforeseen challenges um, and dealing with that like quickly efficiently and getting back on your bike but yeah eliminating as many of those before you actually get to the start line is is what that's gonna i be like
0: up. how you said that eliminating variables Control what you can control and enjoy the rest of the day. Yeah. It's not exactly right. how that saying goes, but. <laughs> uh, well, what uh, what else can people look forward to? You know, maybe uh, to wrap up gravel camp in uh, Lincoln um, in a sentence or two. What, uh, what else can people look forward to?
1: So we have the bike rides. We have our educational sessions, which will be off the bike. And then we also have one shared meal. Um, So in an effort to keep costs down, most meals for the camp are not provided. But Saturday night, um, we will have a meal from um, Schilling Bridge, which is a big partner for Gravel Worlds. Um, And so we'll all eat together. um, And then, you know, that's another opportunity to just have conversation, you know, the biggest thing that Jake and I both love about gravel is the community around the events. And we're really looking forward to creating that at the gravel camp and emphasizing to the attendees that their best resources are the people around them. Like finding people to help you with training, find people that have done this before that you know that you can call the day before the race and be like, oh, I forgot to do this. What do I do, you know? So. The thing about gravel racing that I think is really fun is that we're all facing these same challenges together, regardless of whether you know, you're know um, you Whitney Allison and you're going to be on the podium or whether you're doing your first time race and you've never ridden this distance before. Like Everyone has to cover the same course, um, so I think that's really special and that's really one of the key parts about the camp that i would be looking forward to
2: yeah there'll be a lot of like mingling and chat just chatting you know it'll be like several opportunities where it's just nothing formal just hanging out a bunch of people who ride bikes just talking and um i know that we're gonna have uh, swag bags for the attendees um there'll be like random giveaways uh from both Hannah and I's partners, but also the gravel world's partners too. So um, yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff to look forward to as an attendee that may not like be on the schedule. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be a, a lot of fun and we're excited to get over there and um, get going on this camp. It's gonna be a good,
0: good time. Awesome, I think it's a cool opportunity for people. And uh, you know, Hannah, I know we've talked, Jake, this is the first time we've really uh, had conversation, but you two both seem super cool, and I think people will really enjoy hanging out with you guys for the weekend. Uh, and then
2: we do our best.
0: <laughs> I think they will. Uh, they'll also, if they're smart, just be sponges for all the information that you guys can offer, as well as the uh, the other folks. Freaking um, cornbread, Corey Godfrey. Uh, in the Gravel Hall of Fame, and uh, you know, suck that brain dry for sure. Like, that dude's been around. I remember doing Trans Iowa with him a thousand years ago when uh, I did Trans Iowa maybe 246 <laughs> or something, and uh, that was uh, kind of his heyday uh, in the gravel world for sure. So, uh, that's a great opportunity to spend time with Corey. And Jason is so nice um, and so passionate about what Gravel Worlds can offer all of us. And I, I love that about him. I think he's just such a great dude. He's not about... I mean, I know he loves you guys on the pointy end, but I think he loves everybody from the very first to the everybody. very last. He really does. And, and that comes through. So I'm, I'm stoked for people to get to spend a weekend with all you guys. I think it'll be a great weekend. I saw registration still open. People can go to... I didn't even write the website down. Do you know? Gravel, Google Gravel Worlds, and I'm, yes. it'll pop up.
1: It is um, camp. If you Google Gravel Worlds Gravel Camp, it'll take you directly there. Um, and we still have thirty Perfect. spots. Open. Um It's only two hundred dollars for all three days. So, we're hoping, you know, th- again, that does not include lodging and it does not include meals. So, keep that in mind. But we're hoping that's a price point that newer riders and, you know, riders of all income levels can accommodate. Um, and we're really looking forward to experiencing this with everyone. It's going to be a fun weekend.
0: That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, well, hopefully that fills up, and I can't imagine it won't. So, enjoy it. Uh, So before we go, I want to ask you, because we have the opportunity, um, Hannah, you and I talked about the UCI World Championships of gravel last time we talked. That was kind of the topic of our conversation. And between then and now, USA Cycling has announced a gravel national championships in September. What do you guys think of that?
1: I am so impressed with USA Cycling for how they are organizing this event, because the men and the women race the same course. It's 130 miles, which I think is appropriate for a gravel national championship. It's in Nebraska, which is, you know, core gravel country, like that is, those are great gravel roads out there. and they. Really bring us back to where, you know, where gravel kind of started. Um, And I feel like they've listened to a lot of the feedback that came out of UCI gravel worlds. You know, the criticisms around that event. USA Cycling has listened and they're clearly implementing changes to avoid those issues. I felt very heard when they announced that men and women would race on the same course, you know, same distance to me, I was, I was like, yes, I'm so glad. So I'm planning on racing it.
0: That's awesome. How about you, Jake? You're, uh, you're living in the States. It has Um,
2: absolutely zero impact on me because I'm not an American, so I can't race it being in national championships. And that's totally fine. However, I do have an opinion on it. Um, and it kind of echoes what Hannah said. Yeah, it's, It's a great step forward, Um, I feel like USAC come under a lot of fire for what they do, what don't do, and they've made a really great step forward with the Gravel Nationals, Um, and you know, it'll put some of the whiners to bed on it. Um, It's it's progress forward for the sport of gravel, so yeah, props to them, and um, I'll be there supporting hannah and uh just the inva- the event in general so yeah it's gonna be a good time
0: wow i feel like that was a pretty ringing endorsement of uh of the race so that's september 9th in way western nebraska like almost to the border up in the panhandle of nebraska i've never actually i've never been up that far north and west i've always stayed down south and gone through like cheyenne but uh scott's bluff and that's not the name of the town it's in, but it's uh right near Scotts Bluff, up there in the it's not flat.
2: Right. I mean the proof will be in the pudding as it always is, like but all the um all the talk around the event and, you know, the um all the stats are setting it up for success, but you know, until it is a success you can't say this is gonna be the world's greatest gravel event, um or gravel nationals, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be really successful. So fingers crossed it it, it is.
0: In your circles, you guys hang with different people than I do. Um, uh, in your circles, is there a buzz? Like is the, the pointy end, is that pro corral pretty excited about it?
1: So from the women's perspective, I think I have seen a lot of excitement. Um, you know, this is a world's qualifying event. Another thing I really love about this is USA Cycling is so transparent. The top three places in the open, the women's open and the men's open qualify for Worlds. Great. I love that. I think it will result in deserving riders going. And I think it will result in, you know, everyone understands exactly what they need to do to get to Worlds. For a lot of riders that are doing this full time, this is a big opportunity for them to go race in Europe and they might not have that opportunity otherwise. Um, So I do think there's a lot of excitement around it, and I know a lot of the women that I race against, before USA Cycling had even announced the details, said, yeah, I'm doing gravel nationals. Whatever it is, it's on my calendar, because I'm eager to have the opportunity to go race in Europe and have the opportunity to say that I competed in a Worlds event.
0: Very cool. So, Hannah, Jake, you're not in the Lifetime Grand Prix lineup this year. I don't know if it's in your cards ever, but um, uh, Hannah, you're in the Lifetime Grand Prix again. And uh, Schwamigan's the week after this, so how's that going to (laughs) work?
1: Road trip? Um, So, actually, if there's one race that Jake and I didn't do on the Grand Prix, it might be Schwamigan. Um, We haven't decided that yet. But, you know, if we do it, we will take the RV to Gearing. And then from there, we'll drive on to Schwamigan.
0: You're not worried about the legs?
1: It is a reality of gravel racing. And, you know, we flew to Schwamigan last year. And, Dave, I know that you've done Schwamigan several times. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, too. Um, Flying there is not very easy.
0: No. No, it is not.
1: And the hotel situation isn't great so you know we flew there to avoid the drive and we were kind of like man we it would have been easier to drive <laughs> but how do you get there
0: oh i drive up yeah we can talk about schwam again i yeah. can help you with that like what do you think of the new lifetime grand prix format and i say new because they added some dollar bills to the bottom line and they added a race
1: so again i'm thrilled <laughs> Um, they added a gravel race, and for me, someone that does not come from a mountain biking background, there's seven races now, four of them are gravel races, and five races count to your score at the end of the year. So this means that, yeah, I still need to be able to ride a mountain bike, because there's still, you know, three mountain bike races in the series, but... There's more opportunity for someone like me that maybe doesn't have those technical skills to still do well.
0: Out of the three mountain bike races, and I think I know what's third on the list. So we're talking now about Leadville and Sea Otter. Uh, Which one do you feel like suits you better? Leadville's hundred miles, but high altitude, not super duper technical, but there are some technical bits to it. And then Sea Otter's a bit shorter, but um, I know you like long races.
1: Yeah, I think that Leadville suits me better, and I had a terrible Leadville last year, but I think I learned a lot from it, and I'm looking forward to, you know, Jake and I both learned a lot from doing it, and we're going to both try to improve um, based on what we learned. We're also going to do the Leadville stage race. I think it's two or three weeks before the actual event, and that's a great test run for us because Part of my issue was I did not sleep at all. I think I got to that altitude a couple days too early, didn't sleep, had a terrible race because of it. So we need to figure out the right balance of potentially even staying in Vail and driving up to Leadville the morning of the race. So there's a lot of things we're considering there, but I'm looking forward to Sea Otter. You know, I actually didn't get to race it last year because we both got food poisoning but I'm looking forward to testing my skills there. But that is a course that you need to be really good at turning on, you know, sandy single track. So I don't anticipate it being a very good race for me. Fair
0: enough, fair enough. So Leadville will be hopefully your mountain bike race that counts. I hope so. You both did Leadville last year? Yes. Jake, how'd you find Ludville? You you have a roadie background. Uh, what'd you think of Leadville?
2: Uh, I mean, it was okay. Um, I didn't, I didn't get the, well, first of all, I'm not like a long distance roadie. Like my road background is crit based. Mm. So like I'm fit for two hours. Um, and i've never been able to handle That's not leadville right <clears throat> i've never been able to handle big volumes of training um but it went okay um i was kind of like on target ish i set a goal of doing seven hours Oof. um and i was on track until i started cramping pretty badly on um the the top half of columbine and i actually didn't think i was going to make it to the finish and i was like you can't give up now because all that suffering would be for nothing and i just like crawled back to the finish um but i mean it was okay like i said i learned a lot i'm excited to go back on um a new bike i'll have a Hardtail. Um, Cervello, our bike partner, just brought out a hardtail mountain bike, so I'm really excited to ride that. Um, it's yeah, it's gonna be a different experience and a different race, I think. Just knowing what to expect, uh, you know, I I think I carried too much from the start, didn't like use the aid stations enough, um, yeah, and just kind of suffered on all areas, to be honest, but you know. It's funny, you bring up Leadville for me, when I first started cycling in like 2009, um, the guy that kind of like was mentoring me, his name is Graham, he told me about Leadville, he was a pro mountain biker in the US, an Australian who was a pro mountain biker here, Um, and he's like, if you ever get the chance to do the race, just go head first into it, and I did. and uh so like proud to be able to do a bucket list race, but I want to go back and get closer to about seven hours i I was seven forty five
0: well, you so still got the big not, buckle
2: not like, yeah, I mean that's great, but like it was kind of a failure in the last half of the race.
0: I don't pretty, know pretty man. Ugly like <laughs> uh D and I did Leadville in the uh, kind of the mid. 00s. I don't know, I want to say 2004 to 2010, we did four of them, and uh, that was in the days of uh, um, Dave Ween's, Lance Armstrong, Floyd Landis, and I think one of the years we were out there is the first time anyone broke seven hours, and that's like, I mean, Armstrong would show mm-hmm. up with, like, lieutenants to haul him across the flats, and... uh And they just broke seven hours. So, dude, seven hours is... That's legit, man. I know the winners are coming over
2: uh, faster
0: than seven hours now, (laughs) but it was not all that... It was within my lifetime that seven hours was broken. So that's a a very amenable goal, especially for a two-hour crit guy.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. But, you know, like, I I do want to touch on... um, something especially like for Leadville uh Keegan won in f- uh f- five hours 59 59 like what an incredible athlete what a in, just a monumental effort um to do that and he did it majority on his own um and like for me someone who's not in the Grand Prix and I'm like older not at the pointy end of these races. It is so impressive how these men and women race these 100 mile or 200 mile events, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 hour races, just full gas, mainly full gas start to finish. Um, like, yep. The sport is in a really healthy spot the, and the athletes are world class. Like, you can't expect to just roll up to a gravel race and not be an exceptional athlete and get on the podium like you don't really fake your way onto the podium in, in these events and yeah it's it's really cool to watch such high caliber athletes at their um, profession
0: yeah no doubt high caliber athletes like you too. you
2: <laughs> you're so kind dave
0: well you guys are so kind to <laughs> uh to hop on and talk about your uh camp <clears throat> i was going to say workshop but that's it's so much more than a workshop and I think people are fortunate to be able to have that kind of experience to dive into not just gravel, but I mean any kind of uh, cycling. You're going to benefit from a camp like this, and it's a it's a great opportunity for people. And I hope people join you April 27 through 30 in Lincoln, Nebraska. That's it.
1: That's right. And Dave, I have a question for you. So, I know you're going to the Rattlesnake Gravel Grinder, and you said you're making Rattlesnake Chili. Does Rattlesnake Chili have rattlesnake in
0: it? <laughs> it does. They have a Rattlesnake Roundup uh, last weekend, I think. And I'm showing you a picture. I'm talking this through because it's this is a podcast, but... A couple of those guys?
1: Oh my word!
2: Looks like Australia. There's snakes everywhere.
0: (laughs) It does look like Australia. (laughs) Actually, it looks less like Australia now because there are like 1,910 fewer rattlesnakes in Sweetwater, Texas now than there were two weeks ago. So a couple of those guys, I'm um, anticipating. I've asked them to save me uh, a couple of pounds of rattlesnake meat and we'll make some rattlesnake chili. The story about that, quickly, is um, I did a film on the Iditarod, uh, the human-powered version of the Iditarod, and when I was in Nome, I made a a pot of moose meat chili for the hosts, and it, it literally, like, she wrote down the recipe, and it was in the Nome newspaper, Dave's Iditarod Moose Meat Chili. And so I thought, well, it'd be super funny to go to Sweetwater, Texas rattlesnake gravel grind and make rattlesnake chili. So I'm going to see if I can make that happen. So that's kind of where all that came from. That makes sense. Yeah, come on down. Serve you up some some rattlesnake chili.
1: That just wasn't what I was expecting because my next question was going to be where do you get the rattlesnake? But you answered that for me.
0: Oh, gosh, yeah. They have plenty of rattlesnake meat. Whatever. I'll give it a try.
1: I'm fascinated to hear how that goes.
0: Well, keep in touch, you guys. Uh, Jake, we'll be in touch, and we'll do, uh, do your own episode. I'd love to hear about your transition from the motor- motorcycle to the road bike and what brought you to the U.S. and led you to Hannah and um, kind of how you guys got, uh, got rocking and rolling around the country in your RV. So we'll, we'll do that sometime in the future here. and uh, Yeah. <laughs> maybe when you're standing around the finish line waiting for Hannah to finish a 200-mile race or something.
2: Yep, that sounds like a plane to me, Dave. Let's book it in.
0: Uh, thanks a lot, you guys, and have fun at your camp. I'm excited for people to, uh, to join you guys and learn about all things gravel.
1: Thank you, Dave. Thanks we really lot, appreciate Dave. the opportunity to talk about it.
2: Yeah, it was great. Thank you, Dave.
0: Yep. Thanks tons to Hannah and Jake for joining me today. It was great catching up with those two as they crisscross the country in their RV chasing their gravel dreams. And that Gravel Worlds Gravel Camp sounds like the perfect opportunity to learn more about how to safely join the gravel family. You can find out more at GravelWorlds.com. I also want to wish Hannah and Jake the best as they line up for gravel and mountain bike races throughout the year. Be sure and follow their adventures on Instagram at Hannah G. and at I am Jake McGee and that's McGee with two E's. I would also encourage you to tune in to the Gravel Family Podcast. It's a great listen, and it's available on all your podcast platforms. And I can't thank you enough for listening. If you enjoy these conversations, I'd welcome you to rate and review on your favorite podcast service. And please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. And if you really dig it and you want to support the show, please consider throwing a few bucks our way at buymeacoffee.com. There's a link in the show notes. Or if it's easier, just shoot me to Venmo at david-mabel. When you do support the show, I'd love to send you a sticker. I also want to thank Chain & Spoke Coffee for supporting the show. You can order the beans for home brewing now at chainandspoke.com. And I look forward to the opening of the retail spot, which is going to be opening in early April with coffee, bikes, and the new Bike Talk with Dave studio in Des Moines. I'm also excited for my race calendar in the next month. Dee and I are in Texas now for the Rattlesnake Gravel Grind. It's a whole weekend of music, food, and biking through West Texas. Then on April 29th, we'll be heading to Northeast Iowa for the Driftless 100. I'm looking forward to seeing my friends at the Iowa Gravel Gang, and hopefully many of you for the beautiful ride through the Driftless Hills of Northeast Iowa. It starts and finishes in an Elkater on April 29th. You should plan to spend the weekend. Bring your fly rod to do some fishing. It's a beautiful area with lots of trout streams, and it is not flat. You can register today at DriftlessGravel.com. Both of those races, the Trofeo and the Driftless Gravel race, are also on the BikeIowa.com events page. So check those out, as well as many of the other events on BikeIowa.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to watch for our future weekly episodes on Wednesdays, as well as our randomly dropped Bike Talk shorts and our race and event highlight episodes. I hope you have a great week and keep the wind at your back and the sun in your face.